Section 3 of Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in March 2021. Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer by Henry Dawson. Section 3 A Collision. Of the various kinds of accidents that may befall a railroad man, a collision is the most dreaded, because, generally, the most fatal. The man who is in the wreck, of matter that follows the terrible shock of two trains colliding, stands indeed but a poor chance to escape with either life or limb. No combination of metal or wood can be formed strong enough to resist the tremendous momentum of a locomotive at full or even half speed, suddenly brought to a standstill, and when two trains meet the result is even more frightful, for the momentum is not only doubled, but the scene of the wreck is lengthened, and the amount of matter is twice as great. The two locomotives are jammed and twisted together, and the wrecked cars stretch behind, bringing up the rear of the procession of destruction. I myself never had a collision with another engine, but I did collide with the hind end of another train of forty cars, which was standing still at the foot of a heavy grade, and into which I ran at about thirty-five miles an hour, and from the ninth car of which I made my way, for the engine had run right into it. The roof of the car was extended over the engine, and the sides had bulged out, and were on either side of me. The cars were all loaded with flour. The shock of the collision broke the barrels open and diffused the double extra genesee all over. It mingled with the smoke and steam and floated all round, so that when, during the several minutes I was confined there, I essayed to breathe, I inhaled a compound of flour dust, hot steam, and choking smoke. Take it all together, that car from which, as soon as I could, I crawled, was a little the hottest, most dusty, and cramped position into which I was ever thrown. To add to the terror-producing elements of the scene, my fireman lay at my feet, caught between the tender and the head of the boiler, and so crushed that he never breathed from the instant he was caught. He was crushed the whole length of his body, from the left hip to the right shoulder, and compressed to the thinness of my hand. In fact, an indentation was made in the boiler where the tender struck it, and his body was between boiler and tender. The way this accident happened was simple and easily explained. The freight train which I was to pass with the express at the next station broke down while on this grade. The breakage was trifling and could easily be repaired, so the conductor dispatched a man, a green hand, that they paid twenty-two dollars a month, to the rear with orders, as the night was very dark and rainy, to go clear to the top of the grade, a full mile off, and swing his red light from the time he saw my headlight, which he could see for a mile as the track was straight, until I saw it and stopped, and then he was to tell me what was the matter and I, of course, would proceed with caution until I passed the train. The conductor was thus particular, for he knew he was a green hand, and sent him back only because he could be spared, in case the train proceeded, better than the other man, and he was allowed only two brakemen. 
Well, with these apparently clear instructions, the brakeman went back to the top of the grade. I was then in sight. He gave, according to his own statement, one swing of the lamp, and it went out. He had no matches, and what to do he didn't know. He had in his pocket, to be sure, a half a dozen torpedoes, given to him expressly for such emergency, but if he ever knew their use, he was too big a fool to use the knowledge when it was needed. He might, to be sure, have stood right in the track, and by springing his arms have attracted my attention, for in dark nights and on roads where they hired cheap men, I generally kept a close lookout, and if I saw a man swinging his arms, and apparently trying to see how like a madman he could act, I stopped quick, for there was no telling what was the matter. But this fellow was too big a fool for that even. He turned from me and made towards his own train, bellowing lustily no doubt for them to go ahead, but they were at the engine, and its hissing steam made too much noise for them to hear, even had he been within ten rods of them. But a mile away the chance was pretty slim, and yet on it hung a good many lives. I came on, running about forty-five miles an hour, for the next station was a wood and water station, and I wanted time there. I discovered the red light, held at the rear of the train, when within about fifteen rods of it. I had barely time to shut off, and was in the very act of reversing when the collision took place. The tender jumped up on the footboard. Somehow I was raised at the same time, so that it did not catch my feet. But the end of the tank caught my hand on the reverse lever, which I had not time to let go, and there I was fast. The first five cars were thrown clear to one side of the track, by the impetus of my train. The other four were crushed like eggshells, and in the ninth the engine brought up. I was fast, it all occurred in a second, and the scene was so confusing and rapid that I hardly knew when my hand was caught. I certainly should not have known where, but for the locality of the piece of it afterwards found. My pain was awful, for not only was my hand caught, but the wood from the tender, as I crouched behind the dome, gave my body a most horrible pummeling, and the blinding smoke and scalding steam added to the misery of my position. I really began to fear that I should have to stay there and undergo the slow, protracted torture of being scalded to death, but with a final effort I jerked my hand loose and groped my way out. My clothes were saturated with moisture. The place had been so hot that my hands peeled and my face was blistered. I did not fully recover for months. But at last I did, and went at it again, to run into the doors of death, which are wide open all along every mile of a railroad, and into which, even if nature does not let you go, some fool of a man, who is willing to risk his own worthless neck in such scenes for twenty-five dollars a month, will contrive, ten chances against one, by his stupid blundering, to push you. End of section 3